So welcome to Thrive, your agency resource. As an agency leader, have you given much thought to your succession plan? What about making your team feel really more invested in the company than they are right now? Joining me today is Liz Ricca, co-director and member owner of Big Duck, a nonprofit communications firm that you definitely might have heard of if, in, if you're in the States, um, and they're based in New York. Liz, welcome so much to Thrive. I am really excited for this conversation. Thanks for having me, Kevin. So I think it's important, and we've talked on this show in previous episodes about different um, approaches or different options that are out there for things like this that we're going to be talking about today. But just so we're all on the same page, what is a worker-owned cooperative? I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm sure there, there are clearer definitions than the one I'll give you off the top of my head, but effectively it's a business that is owned by its workers. So um, in, in our, there can be a lot of different configurations, but in ours, you can't be a part owner unless you're also an employee of the business. So all of the owners work for the business and everyone who works for the business has an opportunity to become an owner if they choose to. So in our case, we're, we're 14 employees, 14 owners. Okay. And you say that um, when we were talking before, you said this is sort of like an under-considered option. I'm curious about why you think that might be. And then also, just like any options, there have to be some pros and some cons to it. So can you talk about a little bit about those things? Yeah. Well, I think worker-owned cooperatives, it's, it's uh, the cooperative movement isn't old movements where it's centuries old. Uh, there have been a lot of different forms of worker cooperatives. I think there are probably a lot of reasons why it's not as big a uh, sector in this, in the United States particularly. But, uh, you know, the, there are, I think, a lot of misperceptions about it, including many. I had lots of questions about coming into it. Like, how do you make decisions? How do you do anything with 14 people in the room? Do you have to do Fair everything question. together? Yeah. Right? <laughs> How, how how does a business function in this way? And some of the things that some of the associations we might have with cooperatives with the idea of, you know, everyone voting on everything and of um, it being sort of slower or of there being uh, a lot of work to do to, uh, to bring everybody along probably makes it seem like just an impractical option. Um, there's also the fact that it is unlike other sort of transition model moving to a worker-owned cooperative, someone has to have the capital to purchase the business from the selling owner. And uh, and there are actually a lot of um, structures out there, including the, the consultants that we worked with who helped us basically find financing and find the model that was going to make it possible for us to purchase the company from the selling owner without each individual worker owner having to have the personal resources to with out of their individual um, funds by a, uh, a share of the company. So it's, I think the financing, the imagining how the financing would work could be a barrier, but there's actually, there's a, a, a strong community of folks who can help, um, help navigate those challenges and help us to do that. So interesting. Um, it's like a lot of these things that you, you don't really think about, or like you said before, you've got some preconceived notions coming in. Um, mm-hmm. 
Can you kind of just share the story as to how Big Duck actually arrived at the decision to go this route versus all of the the other options? Um, And maybe talk a little bit about the consultant that you worked with. Absolutely. This decision goes back a long way. We are, uh, our, our company was founded by Sarah Durham, who was our, our owner for 27, 28 years. Um, back in 1994, she started the company and was the sole owner up until we completed this conversion process um, in early November 21. Mm-hmm. So uh, she is a very thoughtful uh agency leader and has been talking with us for a long time about her sort of plans for herself and what it might look like when she decided she was ready for sort of new adventures or challenges. Mm -hmm. And so I remember a planning session we had 10 years ago where she was saying, 2021, our lease will be up and my kids will be going to college. And what am I going to want to do at that point? I may be ready for a transition. Then what are some of the things that that might look like? So not yet having a plan, but opening the conversation many, many years before any transition was anticipated. And in the course of those conversations, just opening our minds to possibilities, we took a look at what were some of the ways that that businesses like ours can, that an owner like her could move on, that business could just close, business could sell to a few employees, the business could sell to an outside buyer. And we looked into this option of converting to employee ownership. And I should also say, while I'm not well-versed in them, there are other models of employee ownership that aren't strictly a worker-owned cooperative. So we had this vocabulary and kind of set of options out there, even though there was nothing we were doing in terms of uh, deeper feasibility back then. And then, you know, about a year ago after 2020 was a hard year, I think for many agencies with all of the disruptions of the lockdown and all of the new realities of COVID. And for us, just like many others, we went all remote. We had to re-envision a lot of things about our business and it was a challenging year. And I think like many people in and outside of the agency world, that was an invitation for Sarah to think about what was going to be next for her and realize that this was the time that she was ready to look for, for a new adventure or something new to build. So we started talking about right now, what would a great transition look like? And specifically for our business, um, Sarah brought me and my co-director, Farah Trumpeter, in officially as partners a few years ago. So the three of us were the ones most involved in these conversations. And both Sarah and I felt most motivated by the possibility of leading this conversion to a worker-owned cooperative. That was the transition that um, felt most exciting to us. And it was also really exciting to Sarah. So that felt like a clear Mm -hmm. um, alignment of what we were going to be enthusiastic about carrying forward um, and what was going to work for her. So that was uh, about that first conversation was maybe a little more than a year before we actually signed all the documents and completed but a decade in the making. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Longer than a decade in the yeah, making. Yeah. It, it went back a long ways. And, it, you know, I think it's not um, it's not always the case, but I, I think it was a big advantage for us that uh, both Sarah and I started at the company in 2007. We've both been here for 14 years. So while our founding owner was moving on, we had two very long tenured uh, members of the team who were, were here to kind of ease the transition into the next phase. But business is, it's not a requirement to be able to make this kind of conversion. And, and that's where um, 
helpful consultants came in. So having having decided we were excited about the idea of a worker-owned cooperative and wanted to understand more about how that would work, we started looking into it and discovered there's a sort of network of consultants who help businesses like ours accomplish conversions like this. And it typically starts with a feasibility process, just sort of both cultural feasibility, financial feasibility, what's going to be uh, realistic for your business. And in the process of looking for consultants, we actually discover that there's a, um, a program funded by the city of New York that pays consulting fees for um, small businesses like ours who are trying to ensure uh, succession for a, a, a departing owner <laughs> um, to explore feasibility of worker ownership. Um, and that program is called Owner to Owners NYC. And so that the, the the city council funding paid for our work with the ICA group, which is a consulting firm that supports cooperatives in a lot of different ways and has been around for, I think, since the 70s um, doing this work in, in various capacities. So we were partnered with a few consultants who helped us. You know, it's a very change management at this scale. It's a very deep process. So those early conversations were just the three of us. And it was a lot of how does this feel? <laughs> how, you know, is this something everyone wants? Just sort of making sure that, oh. that the readiness was well, there. There's no going back, right? It's, it's a very big change. And then the financial feasibility is a, very, is, is a really significant part of the process too. The firm has to yeah. be valued at, at a, in a way that feels like it's fair and realistic to the selling owner and to folks representing the new cooperative owners. And uh, and you have to ensure that the business is going to be stable enough financially that um, there's the likelihood of being able. So in our case, we ended up um, structuring several loans to purchase the business from our selling owner. And we needed to be able to demonstrate enough financial stability record of performance to uh, provide some assurance that we were going to be able to pay back those loans. Right. Right. Wow. <laughs> It's just like, it's kind of mind blowing, you know, it's, um, I mean, I do understand why it would be, um, maybe that, that the option might have a little bit more stigma or a little have, have more questioning around it. Um, but yeah, it just, it seems like, wow. And, and good for you guys for a, having the insight to bring that consulting firm in, um, and then this happy accident that New York city was actually going to pay for it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make uh, the process free by any means. The amount oh, yeah. of time that we put into it is, was, was very significant. And then also you're, you have to work with lawyers and accountants at different points to accomplish yeah. pieces of the sale. Yeah. But um, we also, I've so far been kind of describing the more backstage conversations between Sarah and Shara and me at, at some point in that process, we have a leadership team. We brought in other members of our leadership team just to know what was happening and once we were assured that we had a, a financial model that was feasible, we had a way of structuring a transaction, a sale price that was acceptable to Sarah and sustainable for the business moving forward, that's when we brought the idea to employees. And um, we rolled it out to everybody in April. So about, was that six months-ish, five months before we actually completed the sale transaction. And um, the ICA group worked very closely with us, partnered with us on sort of the initial presentations, how to um, share this information with folks, how to anticipate and answer questions, 
uh, it really, that's a part, piece of the process that's very, very, I think varies enormously from team to team. It really yeah. depends on your, your organization and your employees, how big, how small, how engaged. <laughs> there are a lot of, there's a very wide range. Yeah. And I imagine like the communication of how that's rolled out and how that's messaged is, you know, the most important thing. Luckily, I mean, Big Duck is very, very well versed in how to communicate difficult things, right? Let's face it, agency life looks very different than ever before. Remote and hybrid teams need better tools to help them communicate and access files, track their time, manage client budgets, and more. If you believe that it's time to streamline things once and for all, Workamajig is the all-in-one agency management platform built to help you do just that. Head over to workamajig.com forward slash thrive to learn more. Back to the show. So if there are agency leaders who are watching or listening and they're like, huh, this is really interesting. Where would you say, where, what would your recommendation be for where to even start the conversation? Right. So maybe is it among the leadership team? Is it doing some research first? Like what would your having gone through the process and having been um, in those really, really early discussions, where would you start valuable to start with a conversation with the leadership team. That's really where we where we started. Just taking a temperature, how much where where's everybody in relationship to this idea? Have people heard of cooperatives? Do they have deep skepticism, deep interest? No nothing. You know, what just get the temperature of your group. Is it something that folks are interested in learning more about? It's not a huge investment to just learn a little bit more about it. But once you get any deeper than that, it's a pretty significant investment of time and energy. So it's the kind of thing, you know, I think if you've got, if you don't feel like there's enough trust on your leadership team to start with a conversation, a curious conversation, that might mean there's not enough trust to accomplish a transition like this, because it really has to be, I don't think this is the, the kind of thing that, um, one person can kind of make happen by force of will. It really is something that requires deep engagement. Not everybody has to be the same level of engaged, but the folks who you're hoping are going to um, help steer the process and help, you know, set the tone for the next phase of the organization do really need to be on board. And I should also say that for us, it's not always the case that the selling owner departs. So mm-hmm. in our case, this was part of a, a um, the intention was that on transitioning to the co-op, Sarah would officially transition out, but there are many organizations where the owner doesn't intend to transition out, just wants to move to a more cooperatively run phase of the business or where the, where it's intended to be a more gradual progression. It's the sort of starting point to eventual transition out and kind of hand off of leadership responsibilities. And that can be quite different. This probably, um, you know, it really depends on on the structure of your team and what you're envisioning the structure will be. And it's also worth noting that uh, in if a worker-owned cooperative is where you go, your current iteration of your leadership team, it's not going to go away. The, the folks who are still helping run your business will help run your business. But there are going to be a lot more voices in the room. We have a board now and half the board are folks who are not on the leadership team in our uh, previous iteration. So we're working with an entirely new group of leaders, um, different conversations happening in the room, different voices, which is really exciting, but yeah. also you can't really imagine 
what's, what it's going to be like and who's going to want to um, step in more deeply at that stage. Yeah. Yeah. Super exciting. It sounds like it. I would, I would definitely want to be in the room with all of those voices. Um, two points that you made that uh, I really love, and I'm glad that you kind of highlighted them. Trust among the leadership team. I mean, that's everything, right? So if, if that's not there or you feel intuitively that there, there might be a little question mark um, if you were to broach this with your own leadership team, that might be the place to start. Maybe it's not starting with talking about um, cooperatives, but it's it's yeah. starting to really um, repair that trust or create that trust more deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's 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 such an interesting model. I mean, I could literally talk about it all day long. Um, but as we do start to wrap up, I'm really curious about now your four, five, six weeks post transition, right? Um, what are your own personal takeaways? And uh, another curiosity is, would you have done anything differently? Well, I think that uh, I'm not sure I'm yet at the stage of takeaways. I think I'm still at the stage of taking in all all the things that are, are happening right now. One of the the areas I'm learning the most that is so interesting is this question of governance, and it's often one of the um, one of the barriers to how folks envision cooperatives might work is this, who makes decisions and how are decisions made. And our consultants helped us uh, gave us sort of templates and coached us through the process of creating a governance chart, a model for what kinds of decisions get made by the entire membership, what kinds of decisions get made by the board, what kinds of decisions get made by the co-directors or by folks in their individual roles and kind of stepping that out. So we have a good theory, but now it's coming up against practice. When I need to change something administratively, is that a thing? Who do do I check with now? (laughs) Structure. Do I just do it myself? Do I have to like get a vote going here? There's some things we're learning about what are, what are the, uh, the practical, uh, with the practical experience, like, and it's really exciting. It's really interesting. There are some things that are sort of freer than in uh, our old structures, some things that feel like there's more education or work to be done, but all of them are more collective, which is, uh, it all is within the, the, the clear understanding of what we are each empowered to do in our roles and what um, we're each invited to participate in. And that's really exciting and interesting. And um, after 14 years, feels like a new job <laughs> in some very uh, exciting ways. So that's, those are some of the questions that are most um, uh, present right now, four to six weeks out, yeah. rubber meeting road. Yeah. And in terms of doing it differently, I, you know, it's, it's a very, um, I don't know that it, that I could, like, if I rewound it with all the knowledge that I have now on the other side, I don't know that I really could have changed it, but there's, there's a lot about it that's very hard. It can be very, um, I think this is probably true of any transition. This is the only business I've been a part of an ownership transition for, but I suspect that just the nature of an ownership transition is is for a small business, it's quite personal. This is something that Sarah created and cultivated for almost three decades. And for all of us, the process of that handoff, it it comes with a lot of emotions and it comes with a lot of challenges. And, And I just, you know, there are points I wish I could go back and be kinder to myself or like 
help, help us see what some of the, um, just anticipate some of the things that were going to be surprisingly hard to work through. Uh, just maybe having that knowledge would, would make it, uh, it would smooth out the experience a little bit for all of us. Yeah. Well, no, and I appreciate, you know, everything that you're saying, because that's essentially what you're doing for other people right now, right? You're helping to set some <laughs> expectations or at least say, hey, this was my experience. This was my journey. As part of this, this is how we came to this decision. Um, and so it's it's really, really helpful. And I just, I really want to say I appreciate and I'm so grateful for the transparency and, you know, just the openness with which you came to the conversation today. So I really appreciate that. And thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. This episode has been brought to you by Workamajig, the number one creative agency management software. Show notes at thrive.workamajig.com. Find out how your creative agency can become more productive and more profitable. Schedule your demo at thrive.workamajig.com.